Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where our mission is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. Right, Andressa? We stand for that. Yes, we wake up every day and we literally think about that every single time. Even like I take a shower, that's when I get my ideas and I tax Liz in like random time. <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh, I just took a shower. But welcome back. This is 2022, if you're listening to us. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for being on this journey with us. We love what we do. We love standing for women to create financial freedom on their own terms in the way that works for them. So we're really pumped to be back for the new year. We're pumped to have you uh, on this journey with us. So we have a very special episode today, right, Andressa? Yes, a very special guest today here. <laughs> I have with me today, ladies, Liz Faircloth. Yeah, you heard it right. I am interviewing Liz today. You never heard her. The questions that I'm going to ask her, she also does not know. No, just kidding. <laughs> Some curveballs. <laughs> Interest rates are sky high in 2023, and buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8, 9, or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with rent to retirement? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, they've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache-free, high-cash-flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. So today we're going to be talking about passive investing and Liz's experience about raising money and also being a passive investor herself. But before we get into that, I want to share something that I'm doing differently this year from my past years. So in December, 
that's when I take some time to prepare my goals for the year. And I did something different this time. One of my, my goals is to do less. So in every single area that I looked at, I, besides being a mom, of course, let me do, just do a disclaimer there, that in that area, I want to do more quality time, more memories, more experiences. Okay. But you know, on the business side, I want to do less. How can I do less every, in every single bucket or, or area in my business? How can I leverage other people's strengths and time? So it took me a long time, took 40 years for me to, to learn that I don't actually need to be doing a lot of stuff in my, in my life, right? For the past couple of years, I took a lot of things off my plate and I want to even take it to the next level. My goal is to always to be seated myself. How can I step, step out for, so for all of you that are listening, uh, if you have done already your goal settings, go back, take a look and say, okay, what items can I take from my plate and give it to somebody else so I can finish that book that I'm thinking, so I can take painting class, so I can learn a new lesson, a new language, or do anything that you want to explore this year. So you have that time. So think about how can you buy yourself time. So I encourage you to review your goals and select one thing that you can take out of your, your plate. So that's what I got for today, Liz. <laughs> I love it. So let's get started here with passive investing, right? There is this concept about passive, how passive one can truly be in, in, in real estate. Um, so we're going to talk about it. And I want to get started about your first uh, private money partner. Can you tell us about how was that relationship? If you still have that person uh, working with you guys, when it ended and mm -hmm. the whole shebang whole shebang. Well, first off, I'm, it's a pleasure being on your show and, um, I love this show. Is that what say? <laughs> I love, I love interviewing, but I love being interviewed as well to be, be perfectly honest. So yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of why, why, why we're doing this too, is just that we, I just want to make a mention of this before I jump into the question. You know, so many times we know, we know a bit about people in our circles, but we don't know everything or we don't, wow, that's really good information to share that, you know, so I, Andres and I are going to be weaving in through more in our podcast and our community and our, what we do is obviously we do teach and share, but we really want to be mindful. Like what, what can we really bring, bring to the table, surround ourselves with great women and just continue to help you. And how we know how to best do that is bring what we know in our shared experiences. Cause Andres and I have a lot of them. So um, that's where this is coming from as well. So, all right, back to your question. Sorry, I derailed it. So the question, so, you know, it's funny. I don't think my husband and I set out in, in, you know, 2010, sat down together and said, okay, Matt's like, I'm going to write a book on raising private money and we're going to have 225 investors and um, we're going to, you know, millions and millions of dollars. We really didn't have that, Andressa, like, I don't know, um, lined up, if you will. We knew we wanted to grow a business. We knew we wanted to, you know, buy a lot of, a lot of units. We just didn't know how to do that. And one way to do that is to work with other people. So, at the time, it really came out of a need. We were tapped out financially. We were heavily invested in uh, New Jersey, the New Jersey market. And it was 2010. And we started to, um, you know, say, you know, we have, we have the right team. We have a team we have, we know our market. Let's, let's buy more. And we were just tapped. We didn't have the money. 
Um, we had already exhausted our friends, our um, our family, including our parents. So, um, you know, so we I actually had a coffee meeting with a, a friend. And it's funny because at the time I was consulting and I thought his firm would be a really good client for the tool I was selling, the predictive index. And I was going to be in Manhattan. And I said, hey, can we meet for coffee? Um, I'd love to see how you're doing. I'd love to, you know, check in. He's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So that was in my head, Andres, I really wanted to sell. I really wanted to promote the uh, assessment tool I was working with. So anyway, we sat down together. He's a financial planner. And he's like, what are you up to? I'm like, this is what I'm doing. And I was telling him about the, the, the assessment. And he seemed kind of like, oh, that's nice. That's interesting. You know, when people aren't interested in something, they say, that's interesting. <laughs> so, and they said, what else are you guys doing? I said, oh, well, me and my husband are, are investing in real estate. And we have, a, um, we have about 40, 50 units in, in New Jersey and we're growing and uh, we've done this, we've done that. And he's like, tell me more about that. That's really, really intriguing. Now you use the word intriguing. So that's a good thing. Um, and then we just started to relate. We started that relationship on Jessa. And then we basically, he said, I'd love to come see what you're doing. I said, great. We'd love to have you. So uh, within the next couple of weeks, came down to Trenton and that kind of fostered this first uh, private money partner. We ended up partnering on a uh, two single family homes. Uh, he put 50,000 down and we didn't put anything down. He had an active role. Um, he put the personal guaranteed. He put the money in. He also audited the books. Uh, we had weekly calls. So he had a you know somewhat active role, of course, and we ran the project. So it was a classic Burr property where we bought it, and, you know, renovated it, and then refinanced it and pulled his 50 out. So um, that was our first private money partner. And this was like, wow, this is amazing. This is, how do we do more of this? <laughs> right. But I, I, I bet during that conversation, he got to know more about what you guys were up to, but you also had conversations with him about his own on personal goals and, and interests, right? Great. Otherwise, yes. it, but I don't think people when quote unquote, when people are quote unquote pitching something without knowing first, what are people's goals and needs? It's just like uh, up in the air. You just don't yeah. know where you are throwing the dart. So yep. why is it important to know the other person's uh, goals and intentions and needs before pitching? It's not even important. It's necessary. Right. So it's not even like a nice to do. It's actually, in my opinion, and that's one thing, you know, you think about your skills and Matt and I, one thing we do and we brought, brought both brought to the table was we both had a lot of experience in sales and building relationships and our current in our corporate kind of experience. We both really came from the service perspective. I wouldn't sell something to someone that they, they didn't need. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Right. So I came from that place. So if you're coming from a service perspective, versus a sales perspective or a pitching perspective, you're coming from the perspective of, you know, whose world are you in? And most people, when they're pitching or sharing, they they think of like their world bigger than the person that they're speaking to. And it should be the other way around. That person's world should be bigger, meaning you're serving them first, and then you're serving your, yourself secondly. So, you know, I'm a really, I'm a really big fan of asking people. And I think I did in this conversation naturally, just because I, I do that, but like, tell me more about your goals. Tell me more about like, where you see yourself in five years. Tell me more about, you know, where you see your family. Think about why people are investing. They're investing to typically to earn more money, but why are they earning more money? Because they just want to like jump in cash. I mean, maybe that's fun. <laughs> I just had this weird visual of people jumping in cash, but, um, they don't. They do it because they want to grow their wealth. They want to help their family. They want to help people, especially women, right? Most of the time they come from a high contribution perspective. So when you start out by saying, share with me, 
tell me, you know, help me understand not just what your money goals are today, but where do you want to be in five years? One of our private, uh, one of our passive investors were, um, we just sold a property and his wife was able to retire. That's a big deal. So it's not just making money. This is lifestyle. This is like, this is a big deal, right? How exciting it is to hear one of our, our investors say, my wife now can retire because of the investment we did with you. Like, Wait, I'm going to start crying. Throw you a, <laughs> let me throw you a curveball here. So you said that you cannot sell something that people don't need, right? But many mm-hmm. times though, they don't even know they need that. Or mm-hmm. It's not their environment. It's quote unquote ignorance from certain levels. But I think he, when you are having deeper conversations about the lifestyle, as you were mentioning, right? It's important to them to have this lifestyle, uh, then it's also an opportunity to share about exactly. the possibility that they never thought. Absolutely. Meaning that they don't know they need it until you create the need. Listen, you can offset your, your tax returns in different yep. areas. There's different g- different benefits. But I think that when we are having conversations about lifestyle, that's when the opportunity to create uh, that possibility happens. Would you agree with me? Absolutely. Well, I think I think the, the pitching or the sharing or the presenting, you know, quote unquote, I did yeah. actually back in my old, old, old days, I did a lot of sales training and like people present prematurely. So it's like they just present a bunch of features. They present a bunch of like, you know, a lot of a lot of pieces like, oh, why would someone want to be a passive investor? Well, there's tax advantages. Is that important to everyone? No, actually. Who is it important to? You know, so so there's tons of benefits to being a passive investor. But if you don't know why someone wants to passively invest with you, then you're not able to speak their language. You're using their words. You're using their pain, their challenges. You going down nine benefits is literally saying like, here's nine. What, what sounds good to you? It's not emotionally connected. You're not going to be emotionally connecting with them or even just from a cost and benefit perspective. So you really want to make sure you tie in all the amazingness that you have to share with what they what they need and want. Love it. So you went from one to, to more than 225 investors that you guys work with. What what do you wish you knew then that you know now? I, you know, there's a lot of pieces that I think I wish I, I knew. I think from a team and a process perspective, I wish we created stronger systems early on. I think we had good ones, but I think we could have, you know, done that a little sooner. I wish, I wish I knew, I wish I knew the power of people in process, I guess, even just starting the business. And, I, and I'm learning that. I, I feel like I'm learning it and getting better with the power of like making sure there's enough resources, people and process when you're starting something or growing something. Because if you're scaling and you don't have those pieces in place, it's a lot of work. You know, you're, you're learning by fire. And, um, and names I can't even bear. Like so, 125 plus people that you're, that have different interests, needs and uh, funding capability and yeah. desires. I mean, we had spreadsheets, so it wasn't like we were doing it super willy nilly, but I, I do, I do, I wish we had more structure, operational structure in place early on. And it just goes back to our personalities and our strengths. Mm. It's not something that my husband and I are super, super strong in. And something you learn to do, and then you learn the importance of it. So it's like, okay, either we're going to do it, or we're going to start to partner and have a you know team, and then you learn these things. So it's not you having to do it all, which which is the case now. So um, I also I also don't think I realize the impact of like what it means to passively invest and to not just provide returns in money to families, but like what does that really mean? I never. It's just like I didn't realize. I, I guess the point I'm saying is I, I didn't realize 
how much of a win-win it really is. Because when you're starting out and you're growing your business and you're looking for passive investors, you almost have like your hand out. You're kind of like, I wish you could invest with us, right? It's almost like they're doing a favor for you. <laughs> and um, I think that's how we felt when we started. It was like, wow, they want to invest with us. Like it's a big, you know, and it, is, it is a big deal, but it was almost like they want to invest with us. Wow. Like their goals are more important than ours. And I think I, 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 I think that's a confidence thing that you grow with as you scale and you build a business. But I wish I, I wish I realized how much it is a win-win. It isn't just, they're doing you a favor. They're not just being nice. This is an investment opportunity. It is a win-win. It should be a win-win. You shouldn't be losing. If you're an active investor, you should not be losing when you're working with a passive investor. Like that's, that's nonsense. And we did that along the way, occasionally. And we didn't set out to do that, but that did happen. And I, I think we would have conservatively underwritten better. We would have said, it, you know, if we're taking a hit, that means something's off and the investors made whole, but you're taking a hit. So something in your underwriting, something in the deal. So I, I think I would have realized the power of, you know, making sure you're creating win-win. We'll always take care of investors, but it might mean taking money out of our pockets. And we have done that. I wish I knew the power of like making sure that didn't happen early on. And, and I think there would have been things in place we could have put in place in terms of underwriting and people and process and all those sort of things. So I, I wish I knew that a little more when I started. And a quick uh, tip hack that we learned, uh, right, Liz, uh, in regards to spreadsheet is that we just switch the line item of like our profit as investors. Many, many times that's the last item on, <laughs> on the list. Um, mm -hmm. And we switch that. You establish what is the return that you want, and that is a line item on itself. And then you're not the last, meaning if everything goes well, this is what is left for for me to on, on this project here. You've got to analyze how much time expertise you're bringing to the table and how much is that worth? What's your bottom line? Like, I don't do deals at all, at all, if I'm not making minimum 30 grand on a flip by myself and a small flip, small, small, small house. I, that's one criteria. Am I, am I be able to change this moving forward? Yes. It might be low to some people. Yes. It might be big to other people that are listening here, depending on where market you are in the country. Yes. So all what I am saying is that based on where I am, my criterias, my time involved in, in expertise, this is my light item, not like what it's left there. So look at your, your spreadsheet. I encourage you to look at your spreadsheet and do exactly what Leah said. Don't think that other people are doing favors to you. And then what is left, the crumbs, is what you get. You yeah. are as important and you should be a higher <laughs> line item. Yep. So let's talk about uh, the biggest risks passive investors need to be aware of because uh, we talked a little bit about the, the benefits of it, taxes and the freedom that you have when you have your money working for you. But are, what are the biggest risks? Well, I mean, I think control is one of them. I mean, so if, if you actually have, if you're an active investor and a passive investor, think about, you know, so many people in this business that like control. So when you're an active investor, you're controlling the deal, right? You're making the decisions, you're putting the business plan together. You're it's, it's all on your shoulders. And a lot of people like that because they're controlling it. And so it's especially for the active investors who transition to passive, 
well, the control's not in your hands anymore. And that's a, that could be a risk. That could be um, a, a negative. Again, depends on the person. It depends on their, their kind of risk tolerance. They'd much rather take a risky, you know, get into a deal if they're the ones at the helm running it. Quite honestly. So I think that's a risk or, or, or something that people don't talk about enough. You're just not in control from that perspective, from like a, a managing perspective. Obviously, loss of money, loss of just two things, loss of capital, loss of, of loss of capital, as well as not making the returns that you see, you know, that 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 are being deemed, you know, uh, what what, what you, you want to see. It's not guaranteed. Yeah, it's not guaranteed. Right. Um, you know, and I think COVID showed this. I mean, there is, there are things that happen that no one plans for, mm-hmm. but that's why I love real estate because so many people who are in the markets that, you know, are growing, that are expanding thrive during COVID. So it's almost like what could possibly happen for like multifamily properties to just, you know, it just doesn't in my head, in my sphere of life, I don't see that happening, but who knows? I mean, that is a risk, right? There is something that could happen. I don't know how housing will never be not needed in, you know, but, but again, Hey, things can happen and we don't, we don't. So there are things that we don't control over, but I think for passive investors, uh, I think the other risk is getting into something that is not as well-known or as mainstream as the stock market. I mean, it, you can't say real estate syndications or real estate projects are just equal on, on the mainstream sort of platform as stock markets. It's just not. It's still a little alternative. It's still a little bit off the beaten path, um, even though there's a lot of passive investors out there. And uh, especially for women, right? We want to get these opportunities in women's hands. So it's not just you're being fed, you know, all these other I don't know. I don't want to go down the stock market path because I think there's benefits to that asset class. But obviously we're in real estate and I just I think there's so many more advantages, you know, um, in terms of real estate advantages, getting involved in these projects. Um, But you got to be educated. It's self-education. You're not just putting money with someone else and hoping for the best. You need to understand the the project in in a way that makes you feel comfortable to uh, invest 100 grand or 50 grand. So there's an onus on you. That's another risk education as well as um, being set up to feel comfortable. That's why people sometimes like going into other, you know, asset classes. They may not need to know as much. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. 
And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's a great point when you, when you mention about people that want to have control, right? Sometimes that word is a little bit misunderstood. Um, I think for all the, the, the investors that are listening here, how can you work that out in your head if you believe that you need to be in control of everything, right? So from, from somebody that likes to be in control, I'll share, I'll share my two tips over here. Vetting the syndicator makes me more comfortable, right? Because then I like, trust, and respect that person. And Liz recorded a mini-sode mini called Evaluating a Syndicator as a Pro. Listen to it. If you have not done it yet, please do. That is very important. That will make me feel more com comfortable. And another thing is the, the KPIs, right? And communication. I would like to know what's happening. So if I receive n no communication, zero communication about what's what's going on, then I will feel very, very uncomfortable. So when you are sharing or presenting it, it's super important to share your communication plan as well. What the person will have information and what they won't have information. So many times uh, it's not a matter of control it's a matter uh, of being informed of what's what's going on and if you can relate to that i encourage you to reframe that oh i need to control to i need to be informed and aligned with people that i trust and i think that if you shift a little bit and reframe that many more people would be uh willing to not willing but leveraging passive investment if they just uh break down the stereotype that oh i'm not in control of here that is a trust issue or you didn't find the right yeah. people in process in place as you were saying Liz. if there's people processing place here uh that's a very uh good formula on my books yeah absolutely awesome so I want to talk about like your hardest experience. I remember um, uh, when it happened, uh, you you gave me a call and uh, when we went over online and we kind of discovered as you were discovering what was happening, I also was discovering what was happening at the same time. So uh, share share about that with everybody that are are listening. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I, I've shared about it a bit, but I'll share I'll share about it from the perspective of what we learned. 
and also what it means to get into projects, both from a risk perspective and, and a benefit perspective. So um, and I'll do my best to not cry. So, you know, in a nutshell, we were buying a 220, we were under contract and about to close in a couple of weeks for on a project that was about 222 units. It was our first project actually outside of the region that we were very familiar with, Pennsylvania and and New Jersey. So it was a really big project for us on a lot of different levels. And um, so anyway, we were about 700, we were about 600,000 like shy of, of getting to closing of what we needed. And we had that money earmarked from a 1031 exchange that we were doing for an, a sale of another building, an 18 unit in Philadelphia. So um, that had closed about a month you know, prior, and we were waiting for the funds to come into our bank through the 1031 so we can redeploy that money to into a new project. And it's interesting, right? Because the, the, the 18 unit was owned with different owners than obviously the 222 unit. But as long as the owners of the 18 unit of that LLC all agree to move into a, a new entity, then you're good to go. Just a little side note. Anyway, the capital that was there was about 500,000 and we profited about 250,000. So it was about $750,000 that we were getting back. Um, to close, we didn't actually need all 750, not to get too complex because then you have money for construction, this and that. But it was about, in my memory, was about 600,000 around in that ballpark. Anyway, about two weeks of closing, we're starting to get nervous, you know, because we kept emailing the 1031 ex- custodian because that's what happens when you have a 1031 exchange. And he was not responding at all. And our lawyer was sending him nasty notes, nasty emails, like calling. We were we were just about to get on the plane. He was from uh, Florida, and then we put his his name and company inside Bigger Pockets, uh, just to just search his name. Just I don't know. We just felt like we needed to do that. And when we did that, there was a thread going on about all these people who also had this shared experience of no communication from this person in this company. And for other deals, not just ours, obviously just other deals. And they just, this was like two months and three months of kind of content that was happening with this person. So our hearts fell because, you know, sunk at that moment thinking this, this person and company has a track record of this, which obviously we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right at that moment, we're like, we're not going to have this money for closing. It was pretty clear. We kept trying to, but we knew we had to kind of figure it out. So long story short, the it was very it's like someone literally stealing money from your pocket especially not just money but that kind of money and not just your own money but like literally seven different people's money right it felt like that twilight zone it did feel like a twilight zone because this wasn't like when we started our business so it felt like this shouldn't be happening to us that's honestly quite honestly that's how i felt and how my husband felt it's a good lesson i'll share in a moment just we'll circle back on that but long story short to, to be frank, what we needed to do is get that property bought because if we didn't have a property, it, that's going to be a problem for everyone. Now we don't even have an asset. If you have an asset, you have something to give to others. You have more creativity that can happen, especially when money gets stolen. So we got a bridge loan. That's when relationships really mattered. We paid them a very generous interest on that money because it was literally within two weeks, but we got it done because of the relationships we had and we were able to close. So that was a positive the second thing that needed to get figured out was all these this money that was lost. Now we're obviously there's a class action suit. Um, we've actually gotten back about two thirds of the money, so that's the positive. 
uh, of, of this because it's now this was a few years ago. But um, at the time, we didn't know if we were going to get any of the money back. So we really needed to think about what our choices were. And when you when you write when you read this is for the passive investors when you read this you know the the operating uh, offering excuse me offering memorandum and you you read the legal for these projects it always says the risk is on you you know in, in, in legal ease but you know ultimately according to our operating agreement and according to every document that was signed by these investors we could have just said listen we are so sorry um, this is what happened we're all going to take a hit and. Um, We'll do our best to get the money back. That was one choice because we legally could have done that, hands down. That was not outside of our legal kind of requirements. But that didn't feel right to me and my husband, even though that's what said in the documents. I don't know why I'm getting emotional again when I talk about this. But the bottom line was that we didn't feel like that was the right thing to do. And when you are in this business, you need to do the right thing. In my opinion, um, there's things you need to do legally. And then it goes beyond that. Uh, So we, in a nutshell, looked at what we owned of the general partner side and divvied it up to the um, limited partners as though they didn't really miss a beat in a nutshell. Yeah. So that's what we did. Um, And then we've been able to buy some of that back and, and, you know, give them the returns they they needed and wanted. And, um, and that was, you know, uh, agreed upon. And we were able to buy more of that, more of that LLC over time. Yeah, I I want to take a moment because you were saying that, you know, legally you did not have the obligation, right? I think if there is something that is higher than a legal document is like our core values. Yeah. So, uh, and and that shows uh, to you and Matt to make everybody whole, be creative um, and make everybody whole, do what's, what's the right thing to do. There's like, to me, you know, there's no options. Uh, there's either the right thing to do or the right thing to do. Yeah. In, in that case. Uh, it wasn't an easy then, thing, to be honest. It wasn't uh, easy. Really not easy. Because, yeah. you know, it, it was right around Christmas, too. <laughs> it was right around Christmas. I remember it. My my son said, can I give you some money? We're like, uh, uh, I don't know if you have enough to give us. But the bottom line when the for passive investors, are you are you working with people that would do that? We're not the only syndicators that would do that. There are some amazing syndicators out there and operators that I invest with, that we invest with. Like I, I so not all of them would do that though. Mm. And I and I just say that because, you know, will they take care of your money? Will they give you communication? Do they have a track record? All the things that I covered in the mini sode. Are they going to do the right thing? I mean that that is something that I think is harder to measure. But looking at their their track record, look for those kinds of things. Look for yeah. things that didn't work out. Yeah. And how did they handle them? Um, yeah, absolutely. So. That should be like a must. If things did not work out, how did you handle that? When yeah. when you were not able to both either give the return that was estimated return on the investment or you didn't give at all any type of, of, of return. How was that handled? Um, In 16 years, 16 years, we have always returned everyone's capital. That's a big deal in this business. We've never lost people's capital. It is a big deal because we only see the checks, right? Yeah. Social media. We only see the checks and Many times, uh, as as you mentioned, like you made them 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 whole. That's important to you, to to your company, yep. and everything that's going on. So right now, as we speak, you have your largest deal to date yes. under contract. Uh, it's close to seven hundred units. 
tell us more about him. Yeah, it's it's a really exciting it's a really exciting project because so much of this business is um, is very competitive right now. So people are getting into new markets. They're doing deals that they may not have done a couple of years ago. They're making compromises left and right. Uh, and what I love about this deal is that we're not. <laughs> and why I say that is because we're going in, we're buying more units in two markets that we're heavily invested in already. So that's number one why I love this project: Winston Salem, North Carolina, and Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, both growing markets. Both have their strengths. And what I, I I love about utilizing the resources that you have, the teams that you have, and our two property management companies we work with are stellar in those two markets. So you're I already, them. I met them. I walked the property. They're women. It, oh my gosh. So refreshing. Yes. Yes. It is. It is refreshing. And it's so important to people that are syndicating. And when you're a passive investor, you want to ask that question. Have you worked with this company before mm-hmm. you are, you're, you're moving into a new market with a new property management company? I'm sorry. That's going to be a, there is a transition to that. I can attest to that. I'm not saying it's going to be like 19 years, but it takes time. So right off the bat, the fact that we can hit the ground running like super fast and super like with no red tape, if you will, or no like learning period, I think is an enormous um, advantage. I really love that we're doing a, like a, um, a portfolio uh, approach here where you're, you're investing in two different markets that also increases your, um, I'm sorry, decreases your risk. Think about it. If you're going all in on one deal in one area, you're contingent on that one, pro- pro- you know, one one opportunity. The fact that we're so invested already in those two markets, it's not like our, our, we're already there. We're already so committed to it. So I just I love that aspect of it, and that came from just cultivating relationships with brokers and being you know in the trenches. You know, I also just I I really I get excited by the fact that we have such a strong team already on our end going into it. So from, from construction management to managing the, you know, the property management team to just, you know, dealing with our investors and working with them and making sure they're taken care of. We're just, you know, elevating our games. There's a lot of people all like all hands on deck to, to kind of make, make sure this project fulfills its business plan. And I, 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 you know, I'll tell you the, you want to conservatively underwrite. And we, when we underwritten for Winston Salem a year ago, we're, we're already outperforming what we underwritten. So that that right in and of itself is really cool, right? Meaning the rents have increased more than we thought they were going to already, and we're only we're about a year in to to owning that building. So I think that's, that's another building, right? Exactly. Sorry, another building, another building. So when you conservatively underwrite, and the market, those lo- your local markets are doing are are going, you're, you you are pretty confident they're going to outperform. That's a really positive a positive aspect because you're it's going to work by your numbers, it's also going to work, you know, obviously an an increase as your um, rents go up. And we, we like to invest in like workforce housing communities that are growing, that are not like the super, super hottest market. And um, it's affordable to live there. And that's the case for those two areas as well. But there's a lot of growth in those two areas too. Exactly. So the DeRosa and the real estate investor join forces on, yes. on this deal. So I flew to North Carolina and I I was very impressed. We went to do due diligence there and I was very impressed with the property management company. They were literally doing like an audit. Yeah. And I thought we were killing here several birds with <laughs> one stone because if you get the the property management company that's going to work with with you 
uh, to do all the due diligence here. They are already preparing, setting themselves up for success. Also, moving forward, the worst thing is when you get the current property management company or not hire a third party, right, to do that type of thing because you're going to get what the current property management company is offering as as the truth. And uh, you can find out many, many things about the project when you have either a third party looking into it or a property management company that you're going to work with it. And so just for all of you accredited investors that are interested in this deal, we have a, a webinar coming up. You can get more information on our show notes. So Liz, before we close this up, where people can find more information about you. Oh, it's a good said that. I know. That's an exciting <laughs> question. Um, be, beyond the, the all the work we're doing, obviously, on the investor side, um, yeah, our our, our our business that we, my husband and I started many moons ago is DeRosa Group, D-E-R-O-S-A Group, G-R-O-U-P.com. So a lot of our projects are there and um, some really cool content is awesome. there already too. Love it. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. Listen, the first one is, what's the most transformational book you ever read? I'm going to say, as, as a man thinketh, the mm. really tiny book, like literally $5.00. And I read it, I try to read it once a year. I just started reading it again today, but it is literally all about your thoughts. So when I feel overwhelmed and frustrated, which happens, <laughs> I read that book because I'm like, all my thoughts, you know, and then I let it go. It's a powerful little, little pamphlet book by James Allen. Awesome. The second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? I think the, um, the once a week thinking time that I've incorporated, mm. Um, recently beyond like working out and prayer and meditation, all those things are critical, but that creates a level of going within and saying what I'm, what's working and what's not right now. So, um, and I missed that recently. <laughs> so I know when I'm overwhelmed, when I haven't done my thinking time, but that really sets me up for success when I do it consistently. Awesome. And the last question is which woman famous or not has inspired you the most? Knew you're going to ask that question. Um, God, there's so many women that inspire me. Uh, now I want to cry again. You know, I, I think about all the women in our community, and there's not one. Rita, who's our Strive member, who just posted about closing on her six blocks because of the work and the group that we we put together. The woman that partners, and she met the woman on a, on a meetup, and they partner together, and they be they're able to really, you know, support each other you know, woman that's becoming financially free, part of our, you know, investor EXP team, not just because of being an agent, but also being an investor. I, I'm inspired by all the women that are, are in our circles and our communities. That's what inspires me each day. I mean, for women that I look up to, you know, my mom, obviously, for, for many reasons, her, her, she was not an entrepreneur or a businesswoman. I mean, she was in business, of course, but her ability to just put her family first and just like have this level of service orientation was amazing. And my grandmother, my grandmother was very different personality. She's very straight shooter. Um, she was very blunt, very direct. Uh, and I was very close with her. And I just, I love being around her because she just kind of told me what she thought all the time. She didn't like mince words. And she like grew up in the fifties. I mean, this is like a woman that didn't wear pants, right? She only wore skirts. So the women in my life, I'm very appreciative of for different, for different areas of my life. And all the women in our community inspire me each day. 
Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Liz, what do you say? Thank you so much for being on our show. <laughs> I do say that. And I, I thank you all for listening and, and I'm going to do the same for uh, Andressa. I'll be doing a, a full length interview with her uh, in the coming months because, you know, we have rock star women on, we do our mini sods, but we also want to share what's coming up for us. And, and especially if it will help you. And this was all about, you know, the, the power of passive investing and, uh, whether you're coming from the active side or certainly the passive side, but hope this was helpful. And uh, thanks for being on this journey with us. Thank you so much, everybody. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.